Good evening to the church. Um, this evening we will be in the Gospel of Mark. We're looking at Mark chapter 14. And we'll be reading from verse 32 to 40. And the big idea here is simple. God is strong and we are weak. So the passage that I'll be speaking on is quite familiar. And it consists of popular words from Jesus that are sometimes used in Christian lingo. Phrases such as, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And even the command to watch and pray. Following the context of the passage going on, what had just occurred, one would think that there would be no need for Jesus to use phrases like these towards his disciples. Yet, he had to. So here is the background and then the context of the chapter. The Gospel of Mark was written by John Mark, as has been constantly said, to a group of believers who are living under the rule of Caesar Nero. And Nero, he's a tyrant, he's a wicked man, he seeks to destroy the church. Yet, Mark shares with the believers in the Gospel of Mark what Jesus bore up under as he was persecuted, betrayed, and that he would go to the cross. Now within this chapter, in chapter 14, let us remember that a few moments ago, Jesus had just had his last supper with the disciples. His friends. These were his friends, those who were with him in what we would call the good times and the bad. They were with him in the times when the scribes and the Pharisees sought to destroy him. And they were with him as he performed numerous miracles. So this would be the last supper before Jesus would go to the cross where his blood would be poured out and his body would be broken for his friends. Jesus, although knowing that not only Judas would betray him, but all the disciples would betray him, he still brought bread with them. A clear portrayal of God loving us first. God committing himself to sinners even though he knew fully well that they would betray him. You see that he did not only know it, but he told them of their betrayal. And we see a type of dialogue between Peter and Jesus. And Peter responds to Jesus' uh, telling them that they would betray him by saying, even though they, referring to the rest of the disciples, they might fall away, I will not. He re-emphasizes this by responding to Jesus by saying, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. So clearly we see, even if it's just like Peter's words, that Peter has a love, he has a zeal, he has a commitment to Jesus, a great personal strength to persevere with Christ. Now let's turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 32 to 40, where we'll be continuing. And it reads, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, 
My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And when a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Here ends your reading. <clears throat> Gracious God, we thank you, dear Father, for your word. We know in it is life. Help us, dear Lord, as we examine this portion of scripture. Help us that we would see you, that you would increase in our lives, and we would decrease. Help us not to harden our hearts if convicted by sin, but to let your Holy Spirit work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point I want to speak of is that men are weak and God is strong. So from the beginning to the end of the Bible, we see records of many failures of people many times after God had just shown up and showed his power and his might. We know of these instances and many times we hear professing believers not understanding why after God had just shown his might, why did people turn away? Why did people not trust God? For example, when God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, punishing the Egyptians with plagues and then parting the sea, then we see these people would make a golden calf and we respond and we think, how weak were they? We see numerous battles in scripture of how God gave Israel the might to defeat their enemies. He gave their enemies into their hands. And yet, we see that they turn and they serve other gods. And we think, how weak are they? In both cases, God's might was shown, yet men denied God as Lord. The betrayal of Jesus by Judas is also something that we look at in disbelief, not understanding, how could Judas do this? Jesus had fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies. He was clearly the Messiah. He healed the sick, he healed the blind, he fed large masses of people twice, and Judas would still choose silver over the one who the winds and waves obeyed. And we think and we say, how weak or how foolish was he? When looking at how men turned away from the Sovereign Lord, we think or we act like, that could never happen to me. I could not relate with these persons. I would have obeyed. I would have not been like those people. Possibly, we think like this because we hear numerous of self-help speeches or sermons. If we look at the secular world, and not only the secular world, but messages sometimes within churches, we hear statements like, believe in yourself, 
You can do it. Messages that call us to rely on our own strength by persons who seek to encourage us, persons who seek to motivate us and want to see us press on towards a goal. So today my encouragement is simple and quite the opposite of what you possibly would have heard, which is, you are weak and frail, but the Lord is strong. We, mankind, are not so impressive. We're not so strong, our voice, but the Lord is. In our recap of verse 29 and 31, we saw Peter boast in his love and his commitment to Jesus. He said, I will not fall away. If I must die with you, I will, for I will not deny you. You see, Peter's boast was in his strength, his love, his commitment to Jesus. As many of us do, we boast in our own strength. When persons speak of the Israelites being foolish or weak in their betrayal of God, they are thinking if they saw these acts that God performed with their own eyes, that they would have persevered. It would have strengthened their faith, of course. Their perseverance or their hope of perseverance is based on what they would have known. I saw a great power displayed by Jesus, so I would have never left him. Their boast is in their knowledge. The worldly man believes in himself and thinks that he is so strong, so wise, that the success or failure of his life goals is based ultimately upon him. He thinks that he is good and that his good living definitely pleases God. Pleases God. So his boast is in his efforts. Whether boasting in your personal effort to commit yourself to Jesus, your knowledge of Jesus, or even your own efforts, these boasts are worthless because our strength is not so impressive. Peter, James, and John were called to remain and to watch in verse 34. This was not for the entire night. This was not for half of the night that they were called to stay awake. But for one hour, as Matthew 26, 26 40 records, yet the Lord finds them not watching or praying, but sleeping. So this is the same Peter, the one who boasted in his commitment to Jesus unto death. He was fast asleep as the crucifixion approached and his Savior was troubled. See, we are not so impressive, our wise, our strong. As the saying goes, the best of men, the best of men are merely men at best. Knowing that you are weak helps you to look to the one who is strong, the one who causes you to persevere, the one who enables you to walk in his statutes and his precepts. So believer, when you do well in fleeing from sin, when you overcome sin that you have been struggling with, it is not based upon your strength or your brilliance. It's based upon God's grace towards you. Just as it was said in the Gospel of Luke, which also requires a similar event, Jesus prayed that Peter would, would remain and then strengthen the brothers. It has always been God who works in us to will and to do. 
We hear of the example of salvation, of God throwing down a rope and us grabbing it and pulling ourselves up. And this tool is actually an arrogant boast in our own strength. It is actually quite the opposite. We were carts, we were at the bottom of the ocean, and Jesus dived in. He pulled the carts ashore and he breathed life into us. God did not just merely make us savable, he saved us. Unbeliever and believer, the temporal things of this world pale in comparison to Jesus and the salvation that he actually offers you. Yet, consider that when you do well in a test, in a job, when your business runs well, these successes are based upon God's grace towards you. If the Lord wills, you would be poor. You would fail your exam. Your business would fail. Yet, we see persons who are outside of the faith, the faith actually succeeding. We see that God extends his grace even outside of his family. Secondly, the week in which we are are called to watch and pray. So before you say, well, if my perseverance is based upon God's grace, I am weak, I am frail, therefore I have no part in my walk with Jesus, consider the words of Jesus to his disciples, which was to watch and pray in verse 38. Not only does Jesus command them to do this, but he gives them an example in this very moment. To watch means here that they are called to stay alert, to be ready, to be vigilant on what was taking place around them. At that moment, their focus should have been to be aware that their elder brother, their friend, Jesus, was on his way to the cross and that the way of sin of men would be upon him. Verse 35 says, Jesus went only a little further from them. Right? There was not a great distance between Jesus and where his disciples were. Luke chapter 22, 44 says that his sweats became like sweats of drop of blood and that Jesus was in agony. Being watchful and vigilant on what Jesus was going through and was about to go through should have led his disciples to respond in prayer. Similarly to them, you are commanded to watch and pray. We don't have Jesus in the flesh right before our eyes, but we have brothers and sisters in Christ. We have members of our local church and we have ourselves to actually look after. Watchfulness is essential for us individually, but also for us corporately. As we saw in the first point, we aren't that impressive, so we need the Lord's strength. So I'll add, we're not, so we're not strong, we're weak, and we need the means of grace and each other. Scripture helps us to be vigilant. The Bible consists of numerous instructions on how we ought to operate, warning against sin and how we may escape. To be watchful, we need the words of Jesus. Without them, we are like a blind man who doesn't have his glasses, and we stumble around on our journey. But we aren't just called to live out our lives by ourselves because we have the Holy Spirit and Scripture. Jesus 
was watchful while he was with his disciples. He was watchful over their souls. In verse 37 and 40 of Mark chapter 40, we see that Jesus comes and he waits up his disciples to tell them to watch and pray because they were not vigilant. Jesus' watchfulness looked like him calling his disciples to be alert and to be vigilant. Similarly, we do not always remain vigilant. There are parts of our lives that are sinful that we don't see even though it is our life. And it's parts of our lives that we choose not to see. Hence, why we are called to live in community, to join a local church and to be watchful not only over our souls but over the souls of the brethren. Being watchful is not only a command to the pastor or to the deacon of our church, but a command to all believers. Watch and pray is a command to you. Properly rebuking a brother, correcting them, or even church discipline is a blessing to you, even though in that moment it might not feel like it. A brother or sister asking you the hard questions about your personal life is a blessing to you. So then they're asking you hard questions such as if you are struggling with a particular sin that you spoke to them about um, a while ago, or even them asking you if you're engaging in family worship or reading the scripture, is them actually being watchful over your soul. It is better to be offended here and now as members of your church seek to correct or rebuke you, causing you to examine your life and your profession of faith that for you to face the Lord not correctly and not rebuked and only to realize that you are actually dead and you're sinning. My final point speaks towards the true weakness in us, a part of us which is puffed up and leads us to think that we are strong and better off than we actually are. Jesus told his disciples in verse 38 that their spirit indeed was willing, but their flesh was weak. As Pastor John said in a sermon a few months ago, and again he mentioned last week, you cannot gratify the desires of your flesh and the desires of your spirit at the same time. If you are being led by the spirit, you will not do the things of the flesh, and vice versa. If you are led by the flesh, you won't do the things of the spirit. In verse 37, we see that Simon was zealous for the things of God. Having a zeal for the Lord is a good thing. However, being dependent on your zeal to sustain your relationship alone is not. A believer is called to understand that they are saved and kept by God's grace. When we gratify the desires of our flesh, know that we have a Savior who forever intercedes. Just as he knew of the betrayal of Israel, and so to speak, he knew of the betrayal of many of the fathers of the faith, as we would so call them, such as Noah, Abraham, and David. And he still loved them. He knows of your failure, and he still loves you. To the unbeliever, currently you live to gratify the desires of your flesh. These desires might feel natural to you, but indeed, due to man's nature, 
being corrupted from the fall, your feelings are not the best judgment of what is right and what is wrong. Or maybe you think of yourself as good before all this Jesus talk. You aim to be a good person, you don't trouble anyone, and you believe that you're better off not being religious, so to speak. This person has a superficial view of their sin, and you're actually self-righteous. Know that you are weak. You will not be able to stand before God on the day of judgment justified by your works, for your works are evil. Your works are described as filthy rags. You lie. You steal. You disobey your parents. You commit adultery and fornication. You commit murder, especially in the cases of if you hate someone without cause, or you insult them. Your works, they are indeed evil. A man who knows he cannot swim will hold fast if he's in the ocean to a buoy to float. Similarly, being aware of your inability to keep the law of God should drive you to hold firm upon him who has kept the law of God perfectly. It should drive you to hold fast upon Jesus, knowing that you are weak. Whether it be your inability to keep the law of God perfectly or that your efforts won't justify you, it should lead you to trust in Christ.